Oh, man, that's terrible. Terrible, terrible, terrible. This is Charles Barkley, and what's not terrible is Hook, Line, and Smiley. Everybody say, whoa! All right, welcome to Hook, Line, and Smiley, episode 53, and we have a special guest. Uh, you probably know him by the unopened Johnny W. DVD comedy fame. And we have comedian Johnny W. on. Man, thanks for uh, doing this. Yeah, it's, it's still unopened and probably will be that way for a while. DVD sales are dropping. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. When's, when's the last time you sold the DVD not to a family member? It's been a minute. I was thinking the other day, Corona has taken a lot of things from us, but one thing it saved uh, is the QR code. Oh, yeah. That. Remember the QR code came and then everybody, you were seeing it everywhere and then it just went away. People were like, ah, QR code, I don't have to download an app for my phone and scan a thing. Eh. Yeah, yeah. Now, every restaurant, every, every everything. QR codes. They're we'll, back. Sit, we'll sit down with our phones out. Normally, when mm. we go to a restaurant, we put phones away, but now everybody's got their phone out as soon as they sit yeah. down because we're going to scan the code. You're right. Like a year ago, I, if I saw those codes, I would stare at them to try to find shapes and stuff like those old <laughs> yeah. it's a magic. It's a magic eye. Yeah. Yeah. Magic eye. And uh, so that's the only way I've used it. And now I use it for everything. It's, it's, it's insane. So, but yeah, DVD yeah. sales, I did a, a Sunday morning service thing in East Texas uh, in December and it was all elderly people, super sweet people, but all elderly people. And then there was one young married couple that were in their twenties. And so I'm looking around as I'm preaching and I'm like, yeah, not, not going to sell any DVD, maybe a few. The only DVD I sold was to that young married couple. And when they bought it, I was like, really, really? And they were like, don't (laughs) judge us. We're in East Texas which I thought was a pretty good line, you know, own to it. So. Yeah, I remember when I was selling merch in Texas one time and a guy came up to me and he looked like he was probably about 400 pounds and he said uh, he was a Texas medium. He was trying to buy a shirt and <laughs> said he was a Texas medium. I thought that was pretty good. Oh, it's the remember that. That is good. I had a guy in Wisconsin who came up as about the same size. And maybe this guy just tours and that's his, that's his comedy bit. That's his show. He just tours. Yeah. Um, but he changed it up a little bit. He, he walked up and uh, he goes... I love that shirt. I'd look good in it. Do you have a small? And then he just stared at me like he dared me to say, <laughs> you know, uh, sir, would you like a, you know, something in a big deck? <laughs> you know, like. So have you heard, uh, you know, Aaron, you know, Aaron Weber, do you know him? Oh he yeah. Toured with, yeah. He toured with Chris Summon. He's a great comic out of Nashville. He's the best merch story of all time. So Aaron's a big guy too. And, and so he's like, he was on that John Chris tour. He was the only comic. It was him, Dustin Nickerson. And then of course, John, and they only, he was the only one that had three X sizes. Cause he's a big guy himself. So he's like, I want to take care of my big people. Yeah, so right. these three X shirts he took out. And I carry three X out when I'm on the road too. But it is a it is a hassle to carry that. I mean, they're so heavy, you know, when you right. carry that much shirts. But he was the only one, so he would sell to all the big people. So this lady comes up at the end of his show. She comes over, she loves his shirt, and she goes, what's the biggest shirt size you have? My husband is huge. Like, the husband's not with her. Right. She just goes, I got to buy for my husband. He's huge. He goes, well, we, I have all the way up to 3X. She goes, I mean, this guy, he's huge. And he's like, he starts to get offended. He's like, well, ma'am, I'll wear, I'll wear a triple X. Mm-hmm. And she goes, let me see a two X. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, ah, oh, God, it's too real. Oh, You're right, right in the God. chest. <laughs> so he started, I said, you got to tell that when you do your merch pitch, you need to tell that story. That's the best merch story I've ever heard. It was so funny. He's, you don't understand. He's huge. Well, actually I'm a triple X. Let me see a two X. 
Yeah. It's just like, oh, so great. Oh, the buildup is good because you're thinking of what, <laughs> what she's going to say. And uh, oh my gosh, it's so Well, he's not that big. Jeez, lady. Yeah. Oh, come on. But I'm yeah. getting like some super. Can you see that glare going through my face? It's like uh, it's like a uh, what's the J.J. Uh, Abrams? It's the yeah. lens flare. It's like a space movie. You know what it is? My parents bought my kids for Christmas this light that is is dim, but it make it does all different kinds of light. Yeah. And, uh, it's great, but when you plug it into an, an actual like ceiling fan, that bulb is the only one that works. Even though there's three others, like it just hmm. takes over, and you have to have a little remote control to get it to turn on, which I can never find. So I'm I'm actually in trench room. And so that's what it is. But I think I got it fixed because You're taking over the kids' house because they're at school, right? Are they in school? They're in school right now, uh, except Man. for one of them. We're we decided to homeschool one kid uh, based on a letter we got from the school. Okay. <laughs> you know it's not working out. Yeah. So there's a joke. I know we're we you wanted to talk a little bit today about people being offended by comedy, but I do a joke in my show now about getting asked to do a homeschool convention, which you've done homeschool conferences, right? Oh yeah. Lots of them. They're great. Homeschool people are fun. And they always say to you, like, write some jokes about homeschoolers. They love it getting, they love getting teased. And I was homeschooled my last two years of, of high school. And this was like in the nineties too. Not like now where it's one out of five kids are homeschooled. Like right. this was like homeschooling when I did it, it was like for shut-ins and burn victims. And so I homeschooled. So they're like, oh, we know you homeschooled because it's in your bio. Like, we think you'd be great, but write some homeschool jokes. They love it. And I was like, first of all, I've been around enough homeschool families. They don't love being teased. Okay? <laughs> right. they, some of them do, some of them don't. It's like everybody else. You can't just assume like, oh, you're a people group. I bet you love getting made fun of. <laughs> it just depends on the family, you know, whether they see malice in your heart, whatever it is. Right. So I tell the story now that I wrote some homeschool jokes and, uh, and I got into my 10 homeschool jokes and got one in and they unplugged my mic or whatever. And that's not the truth. The truth is I decided not to tell this joke at the homeschool conference, but it is a great joke. And I a hundred percent know that it would offend people, but I tell it in my show now when I'm not doing homeschool events. And the joke is, I said, I get up in front of these homeschoolers and I say, what's the difference between 500 homeschoolers and my dogs? And they'll go, what? And I go, my dogs are vaccinated. And then, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so Again, it's a stupid, harmless thing, but it's just funny to like imagine a, a you know a brood of homeschoolers yeah. getting upset and pitchforks and torches. But I don't know. It's just as, as a comedian that is competing for the limited amount of shows that we have, I think you should open with that. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> Go ahead and get your career out of the way. Yeah, it's so funny. Like um, that's you told me that like there's you have segments on your show. Like, what's the best party week? What's the worst party week? And I'm like, I don't even know what week it is. Like, it's like, <laughs> I don't know what day, what day it is or like, it's so weird to start thinking about like, all right, is the sun out today? What happened today? I don't know what happened. It's so, it's bizarre. Yeah, this is, gonna sound like, together. this is going to sound like a brag, but uh, when I was pulling into my neighborhood last night uh, from Uber Eats driving, I saw all the trash cans out and I was like, wait a minute, is it? is it Tuesday night? Like, I honestly thought it was Monday night or maybe even Sunday night. Like, I just, I, it, like, it, it is all run together. And it, so that's how I tell time is the trash picks up two times a week. And so yeah. if the trash can's out, I'm like, oh, okay, we're halfway done with the week now. And yeah, it's weird. Like, we used to mark time by our shows. Like, all right, so I leave on yeah. Thursday for Tulsa. Then I go to Tampa. Then I go, okay. And now it's just like, what? when's my next you're just like marking time on the like a jailhouse wall with a little chalk. 
<laughs> hey, did I, did I tell you, you reminded me of this, uh, talking about homeschool, and I even have a joke in my act right now about uh, this story, because I, I met a Holocaust survivor at a homeschool convention, and she got up and she said, that guy, because I went before, that guy that went before me was so, I really enjoyed it, but then again, I'm used to torture. <laughs> no, she, she did. She did. She did. <laughs> and I have tried to tell that story on stage. And there's always people that laugh a little bit, but there's always people that groan. Yeah, it sounds like you're making it up just to make a Holocaust joke. And it's a yeah. true story. Yeah. And I'm like, she has earned yeah. the right to tell that joke. And it was hilarious. It was so yeah. good. It's, sometimes a, jo- a story is too true and, and it's offensive, but you're yeah. telling the truth but they can't handle the truth because of our like Byzantine new rules of what you can say or it's so strange. I don't know, but so many people, and it was of course always, and we'll talk about this, I'm sure, but it's always the people that, that aren't that group yeah. that get offended. But the reason why I brought that up though, is I, uh, I've tried to tell that story on stage. And so I, I will open the bit with, um, I was doing a show for homeschool kids, which is uh, nerve wracking for me because, you know, not only do I have to be funny, I have to have my facts straight because they, they know things, you know, I, I could right. speak for a public school and be like, Hey, I think president Kanye had trouble in the West. That was the original joke back before Kanye ran for president. And now I'm like, now people are going to be like, Oh, you're just trying to be top. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. You were a prophet. You didn't even know. Yeah. But yeah. Bates, uh, Brian Bates, a Nashville comic, good buddy of ours. He does a joke now. He just started doing it a couple weeks ago about how he, he's got a friend who's a conspiracy nut. He goes, he thinks the election was stolen from Kanye. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's pretty good. That's a great joke. That's a great joke. <laughs> Well, I was, I was doing a homeschool conference and it was pretty fresh after the divorce and I'd been talking about it on stage, trying to be a little more authentic. Mm. And so I had people come up before the show that were like, Hey, we're following what you and your boys are going through. We're praying for you, you know? And so I thought, okay, this is kind of a comfortable place. I've been here before. People obviously are following my story. So I'll talk about it on stage. And then basically it was just talking about how God can get you through trials. So I started talking about it on stage and John Chris was opening, uh, or I was opening for John Chris. And so, and, and it was, Chris had just exploded, you know, it was probably like six months after he just really exploded. And so I started talking about the divorce and it's dead quiet. And I'm like, Ooh, this is a bad idea. And then one homeschool kid stood up and he, he goes, it's true that he's not making this up. And so people started Googling it on their phone and then they started laughing and going along with my stories of being a single dad. So it was so weird that they, they thought- like They thought it was a bit? They thought it was a bit. Yeah, so let me do some divorce stuff. This will yeah, hit. Yeah. The church market loves divorce. <laughs> to homeschool. See, this is why I tell you that, because I, I, I can't remember if I've told you this like privately, but then John gets up. And of course, mm. we've been buddies for, you know, ever. And he gets up and he goes, uh, hey man, uh, Bob Smiley is pretty good. You know, wait a minute. Did, did he do that divorce- thing uh you, you know he's still married right like you know that, that's just total joke and it's dead quiet and, <laughs> and he starts sweating and and he's like i'm just kidding guys we're free uh Har- harambe uh man that gorilla yeah. you know right <laughs> was, yeah 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 quick was, recovery it was so i was sitting on the front row because i'd never seen a an actual show of his mm-hmm. and uh, i was sitting on the front row and when he said that about me all you you heard dead silence in a room of like 800 people and then except for me and i'm cackling on the front row because i'm I'm seeing the sweat oh yeah that's there's nothing funnier to a comedian than seeing 
another comedian. It's, it's, it doesn't work if the comedian's terrible, but if it's a comedian you have seen kill, struggle. Yeah. That's so funny. Like if, if I see you and I know your jokes, where they land and how they land, and then I see you struggle in a room and I'm like, whoo, like it, it nourishes me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For you, some have, reason. You ever, have you ever heard Hawkins bomb? I've seen him struggle uh like for a minute or two when he was yeah. working in something or he was doing something controversial or we talked about something he might say on the bus and then he goes in and does it and he goes well, i'm not doing that again yeah but no the, i mean you hear the stories i think he opened for he did that optometrist thing for zz top or whatever oh, yeah. that's his big story right where yeah. they hire him to go in he's the optometry guy who booked him is a big fan but nobody else knows who the heck he is Right. So they're just like, whatever. And ZZ Top was the headliner. He gets there and it's these stand-up pub tables. It's like a, it's like a meet and greet. <laughs> yeah. And it's standing room only. There's not seats, which is a huge deal for comedy. You can't do comedy when people are standing. They're standing, talking, waiting on ZZ Top. Tim is kind of pushed out there to do 45 minutes. And I just heard that he lost eight pounds. <laughs> yeah. Flop sweat. And then they so, ushered him off. Freight was on the side stage. And Freight told me that, Hawkins just kept like just again flop sweat and he would look over to the side of the stage like what do yeah. I do and he Freight said he was dying laughing because he had never seen that before ever we were we were in Dallas one time and Tim has this old bit about like a homeless guys you park your car in like Deep Ellum downtown yeah. and homeless people come up and be like it's five dollars to park here and I even forget the punchline but it was like a maybe minute and a half long bit so it wasn't a long bit but it was an old bit and he pulls it out. Now he was, he was close to being uh, done with, for a DVD project. So, I mean, his, his material was honed and, and perfect. Right, and so right. The crowd is just dying laughing. And then he just throws this old bit in and it just falls flat and people are just staring at it. And he just stops and he goes, uh, I th thought that would go better. Uh, uh, and it, it, for the first time I saw a little chink in the armor and it was so yeah. good for my soul. I was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. The mighty. It is. Yeah. Because we toured that guy enough that you go like, it's a, he's a machine. And, uh, I mean, when I remember when I first started touring with him, I was, was kind of my understanding like, all right, Bob, John Branion, they toured with Tim. I bet you they write for him. That's how he produces so much material. And he's going to, he's going to just like one day, just walk over to me two weeks in and be like, I'm taking that joke. <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. I almost expected that. Like, all right, well, this is enough. This is okay. I have yeah. some material that I really love, but whatever, dude, this is a chance to work with Tim. Mm -hmm. And after being on the road with him for like three or four months, I just realized, nope, he's just that good. He's yeah. just a <laughs> machine. Good. So yeah, you're right. When you see him as like the Terminator and he can't, you know, he has no flaws. And then you see a flaw, you're like, huh, that's interesting. Like, it's almost <laughs> yeah. like there's a glitch in the matrix or something, you know? <laughs> it really is. Like I was, I, I, they filmed that night and uh, somewhere I still have where I didn't keep anything else. I just kept that one part. So if I had a bad show or something one night, I would just watch that clip and be like, Oh, oh. It's bad. oh I still have Bates. My buddy, Brian Bates. He was at, he was with me at a thing that I did a year and a half ago. 
I, I signed with CAA, uh, Creative Artists Agency. So it's the biggest agency in the world. I'm like this tiny fish in a gigantic pond now. And I'm like, look at me, I'm a big boy. And they start, they start booking these events. One of them was a showcase for, it was like country stars. And they go, we want you to MC it. So it's like these up and coming stars. And it's at a standing room event. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, it's a standing room only kind of a thing. Just you know, stand up tables, people are drinking and loud, loudly talking in between. And I'm supposed to come out and do my jokes. And then it is now the next, you know, and so, and the, the headliner of that event was Mason Rudolph, who was the Walmart yodeler. If you remember him, remember oh, yeah. went viral? Yeah. so he's one of the guys. So I'm like, Oh, this will be fine. I'll do my, but I hear this noise. You hear this noise. You know how, like you go, you ever go out into the room when somebody's on stage and you're getting ready to be on stage and you're kind of seeing like, is the crowd settled? Are they okay? And it, it, it gauges your nervousness is kind of like affected by that. Like if you hear like they're already not being quiet as the person's introducing you, you're like, right. I'm going gonna, gonna to spend 10 minutes. I'm going to waste 10 minutes of jokes trying to settle them. Well, they were so loud that I thought this was going to be the worst night of my life. <laughs> I go out and they're not listening. So I end up shouting over these people. And I'm saying, by the end, I'm saying sarcastic things like, I only agreed to do this if people would be standing eating and talking loudly over my jokes <laughs> and this has been a dream and so brian bates was recording that with his phone so every like few months like if i'll be like i just booked another thing he'll be he'll send me that clip like he <laughs> saved it in his phone it's in his like top of his memories he just goes here you go buddy and so it's like it's very yeah it's very humbling and and necessary yeah we need that we need that uh, right man i got booked and i mean this was man i was doing 120 shows a year and you know career was going great and i got booked for country usa in wisconsin and yeah. it's like 140,000 people at this outdoor festival and it's everybody sawyer brown tim mcgraw um like tons of, of big name artists toby keith and i'm doing 15 minute sets in between each act but the first the front of the of the stage is roped off for VIP people and they have white chairs. So there's, you know, they're seated. And so it's 500 people in this VIP. And I was like, oh, this is great. I have a crowd. They're yeah. VIP. Well, my first announcement that they handed me before I started my first 15 minute set was if you bought the VIP package during the breaks in between the bands, they have free beer in the tent. <laughs> so, of course. The bands would end. I would go out there. Hey, waka, waka, waka. Let me tell you about my grandma. And people would get up, go over to the, the tents, tr try to get as much free beer as they could, and then come back and sit down for the next act. And it was, but I got, I got like you did, I got to where I just didn't care. And there was still, you know, huge crowd past yeah. that. But they were playing Frisbee. And one time, at one point, I was just like, you know what, I don't care. I'm, I'm going to do... I, and so I told people that I was a Christian. I was like, I am a, a Christian and I really am. I'm not saying that. So uh, Hollywood will love and embrace me was the joke. When I said I'm a Christian, I saw so many beer. You're like, cups. Like, <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Jesus. You know, it's just, yeah. it, it reminded and then, me like, oh, And then yeah. those people stormed the Capitol. <laughs> and then they did. <laughs> That's a good was... segue into our... <laughs> into our uh, topic because I did want to talk to you about because we've been friends forever and so I thought well let's get into some deep stuff okay uh, uh, so my first question is who are you <laughs> <laughs> like uh, philosophically who am I okay. <laughs> yeah yeah no, no uh, like you and I we've been doing this for a long time and 
we've seen every kind of different shows and stuff, but have you noticed lately, what made me think about that it was a good segue? Let me find, I, I tweeted right whenever the Capitol thing got uh, going. Yeah. Nobody knew anything about it. And so I tweeted, I bet there was a ton of empty Walmarts yesterday. Oh, and, and you know how there were photos of people ho- holding up flags that said Jesus, and then they mm-hmm. were destroying everything. I was like, oh, and the rioters uh, waving Jesus flags and destroying things. I just talked to Jesus. He said he's good. You can stop representing him now. I just I did that before we knew anything really about it. And yeah. oh my goodness, I didn't realize I had that many people following me. Right. I, I don't now, but <laughs> it's good. It's my, good. To cl- it's cleansing. Yeah, my favorite response, and this involves you, uh, and, and everybody's like, I'm going to unfollow you if this is what you think is funny. And somebody wrote, Satan is alive and well and making friends with Christian comedians. So, oh. yeah, so we got a, Man. We got a friend. I didn't, uh, I didn't know. I had no idea. It's good to have a friend, isn't it? <laughs> it's good to have. You know, I, don't, I don't discriminate these days. Listen, if you want to be my friend. <laughs> hey, this shoulder's been blank for a while. This one's got it a angel on it. But... The handshakes burn a bit, but come on. Yeah, but yeah. So I mean, it isn't so weird, and I experienced it too. You know, I'm I'm in the I'm a total centrist uh, politically, and so I see ridiculousness on both sides of it. And so, uh, yeah, you can't. The the internet will not allow you to do that. They will pull you to one side or the other. You're never woke enough for the woke people, and you're never conservative enough for the conservative people. Yeah, it's yeah. So when you, I think it's important that comics don't take themselves too seriously and think like I've got to speak out on every single thing because I've got to be the the voice. People are expecting my opinion on this, and I think I've fallen into that trap, especially this last year because there's been nothing to do but get on the internet. Yeah. think that I've fallen into that trap some and I'm trying to dial it back some because I, everything feels so amplified when we're not having conversations around tables with each other. Mm-hmm. All you're seeing is like pers- a person's rhetoric every day in their post because it's so black and white issues. You know, it's like, it's either you're wrong or you're right. right. Whereas if I'm just talking with you, all of our sensibilities, we may have political differences, but we can still like, you're going to find that common ground a lot easier when I got to look you in the eyes and say something to you. Right. And I think we're losing that. And so everybody feels more ramped up. And so I'll fall into that too. But I do think it's interesting. Comedians take themselves, should take themselves a little bit less seriously. But I do think there's a time to like, don't lose your, and this is going to sound like I really take myself way too seriously. But I think the church in general and comedy in general, we have like what I would call a prophetic voice where we speak truth to power in mm-hmm. a way. And we have this, um, this, this way of like poking holes in all the like, piousness and the pomp and the circumstance, all that stuff and taking the air out of somebody. And, you know, even things that are, other people are afraid of, a comic can speak up and be like, this is why you shouldn't be afraid of this. This is nonsense. And that gives people relief. And so it's important, important what we do, but it's just, it's also really exhausting when you do, when you feel like, all right, I'm being attacked for this or yeah. And it's so strange because I do think free speech is a thing where you're not free from the the consequences of what you say, if it's inflammatory and you should be careful. And obviously you and I are believers in Christ. So we do a little bit of self-censoring. There's things we think, and I may text you, listen, we all have, let me tell you something. If you don't know this, every Christian comedian and every Christian artist that you know of has a group text going and they're sending things that you would be, uh, I don't want to say you'd be appalled. You'd be surprised. Yeah. Some of the things that we don't post that we say, uh, and I'm not saying like curse words. I'm saying like, I may send you something to be like, I know I can't post this because I'm going to get murdered, but Hey Bob, let's talk about this. And we'll have a funny little back and forth about it. 
So it's like, yeah, there's a, you, it's, you don't want to be in a position where you're afraid of unfair consequences because somebody's just uptight because you attacked their favorite person. It's like when somebody says, ah, you're getting too political. What they usually mean is I'm bummed out that your politics don't agree with mine. That's exactly right. Yeah. They, <laughs> they're like, you're stepping on my toes is what they're really saying. Yeah. Right. Because nobody ever says like, ah, so-and-so is too political. When they agree with you, are like, that guy's got, that guy's onto it. He's onto something there. Yeah, it's like gonna, when you meet when you meet somebody and they're a fan. If you ever meet somebody to show, and before you even say anything, they come up and they say they're such a huge fan of your work. Like, aren't you way more inclined to like that person? No matter who they are, you're like, this lady gets it. Oh yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. The Bob Smiley fan, she gets me. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm talking to an intelligent person. Okay. That's right, exactly. You can uh, I can make a little more time for them. I remember I I, I did comedy the first couple of years. I didn't know what I was doing, and like you said, if I wasn't a Christian like that really helped censor myself mm. so that I didn't get a lot of flack or anything. Cause everything that I, that I did on stage, I would do in front of, you know, my kids or my parents. And, but I remember again, this was in East Texas in Longview, Texas, and they were doing a summer party for the youth groups and they called it Bob's burger bash. And they were going to have, they were going to cook uh, hamburgers and everything. And I arrived there that day and I was actually friends with the youth leader who brought me in. And he was like, dude, uh, you're going to get some, some flack. I'm just letting you know, uh, there's a conservative church down the road and they posted a letter in the newspaper. And the gist of it was come to our church. If you want to know what a true relationship with Jesus Christ is, uh, we're not going to try to win you over with burgers or comedy oh, right, or, right. you know, and they were like, we only believe what the Bible says. And that is all we need in this world. Like, I, I do remember that that was like the, the, the closing mm -hmm. line. So I drove by their church and saw it. And then this is pretty snarky of me, but I went to their email and I was like, Hey guys, I, I read your, thing in the newspaper. And I, I totally agree. We should only do what Jesus did and talked about in the Bible. Um, by the way, I saw a lot of cars in front of your church. So I guess that's sinners uh, driving to turn their cars in. And, uh, and by the way, nice website, uh, which I know yeah. is snarky, but, but that was, the, that was the first time that I realized like, Oh, what I do offends people like could offend people. And yeah. I'm not saying that they were, they were even remotely right. Like I, I think that was a real kind of legalistic, a mindset but that yeah. was my kind of opening like do you remember the first thing maybe it was just a joke or maybe you know people yeah, write it's weird I, I start I, it's like you say I, I think that if I look at my show and I go do I have I ever offended somebody with a joke I'm sure I, I don't I don't get like emails saying like this was too far but I do think to your point there are churches out there that are offended by the idea of us that a church, especially if it's a church that's a small church that maybe they've never put on an event like this, or they, they're kind of afraid of what they don't know. Right. So what they do is they demonize what they aren't willing to do. Uh, I can't remember who it was, Billy Graham or somebody, uh, Chuck Colson maybe, used to say, I like my way of evangelizing better than your way of not doing it. Ooh. And I think a lot of churches, they fall into the thing of like, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to sit in criticism of everybody trying something different. Yeah. And so it's just easier. It's so much easier to be like, oh, well, these people only care about getting the saints together and laughing when clearly we should be out doing X, Y, Z. And are they doing that stuff? Probably not. Maybe they are, but probably not. Probably their, their full-time job has become, a, you know, a critical, you know, person yeah. in the, like a pundit. And so we have a lot of those. And so, 
yeah, I mean, for somebody to be offended at the idea of what you do, uh, that's a whole other thing. And it's hard to, you can't really fight that. You just kind of got to go, well, I don't know. I think it's fun to go into a church for the first time and do an event and you kind of see the light click on for them and they kind of become like a comedy church, meaning they understand the value of it and they're going to, you know, they're going to host a comedy event every year. Maybe right. if they don't bring yeah. you back. They're going to be, you know, you've, I don't want to say you've converted them, but there, something happened where they went, oh, this is what, this is unity. This is what this could be. Because sometimes yeah. you bring up like churches that brought bands in for years. It's great. But let's say you bring in Mercy Me and then somebody's like, ah, they're not heavy enough. My teenage son's not going to like that. Right. If you bring in a metal band, then you can count out any old people. Are we picketing out in the, you know, but comedy kind of is like this universal thing. It's one of the last things that like a family, if it's clean, they can enjoy it together. That's what makes what we do kind of so different. Yeah. And uh, so churches that kind of discover that, I like that. I like winning people over. I definitely don't set out to offend somebody when I tell jokes, but I do push, I do like to push the envelope of like, somebody was asking me the other day when I was doing a club, I do, I did some shows with Jim Brewer. Uh, from Saturday Night Live, and we were talking about, he said, I, I told him I do churches, and he was like, well, what's that like? Is there lines you don't cross? And I said, well, he goes, is, he goes, some Christian comics, their material's really churchy, and I go, well, I have material that's about church culture sometimes. It's probably 10 minutes of my show, mm -hmm. but if anything, it's kind of pointed. Like, it's not like, aren't we the best, and here's some things that, if you don't go to church, you'll never understand this. It's almost like I want to satirize some of the things about church culture that make me angry. I'm going to put that in joke form so that hopefully we stop doing it. Right, right. You know, kind of like you talk about like a separatism. Like I grew up in the era of Christian bookstores and we had our own mints and candies and gums at the checkout, testaments. Yeah. And, and I had one of my first jokes I wrote was about testaments and how it was like, there already are mints. Why do we need Jesus mints? You know, and I said, but I thought that, but then like I'd been using secular breath fresheners for a long time yeah. and someone came to me and said, behold, you know, there's a better way and your breath is ungodly. And so I wrote this whole like five minute dissertation about how Testament saved my relationship with Jesus and all this. But the truth is like it got laughs and it was kind of like my way of getting that out there that like, wow, this is ridiculous. We need to stop this because this yeah. is what we look like to the world. So I think sometimes we can take something that makes us angry turn it into a bit and maybe hopefully do some good. But yeah, somebody might've been offended. Somebody might've had testaments in their purse <laughs> as I told that oh, bit no, I, and got offended. I was at a festival and they had a, uh, they, they had a shirt. They were selling these t-shirts uh, that said, uh, just Jew it. Oh. And no, they didn't. They did. I promise you. Oh and my it Lord. Was so it made my skin crawl. And so, you know, the festival I'm talking about up north where they, they're, they get comedy. They have comedy. Oh yeah. Yeah. Alive. Yeah. Yeah. Nope. No. Oh, you're talking about, uh, you're talking about uh, life fest. Life fest. I, yeah. I, I purposely want... try not to say the, the name because, well, I, I oh, guess cause you're telling, cause you're telling us, well, we'll edit this out. Well, this I'm was sure. their, this was a you're vendor. Sure. So it wasn't even life, oh, right. but, yeah. uh, they had all these shirts and everything and, yeah. and it just said, just do it. And I was just like, oh my God. So I, I ended up doing a rant on it. And there were about 50 people in my tent that had those shirts. Like, <laughs> and I was like, I don't care. Like, like I've got to point a finger. At yeah. Them. Well, when you, yeah, it's like when you talk about something like that, where should someone, like when you talk about censorship, when should someone have the right to make a shirt that's a really like, maybe their intention wasn't to be racially insensitive, but yeah. they, the, the net result was a racially insensitive shirt while also heralding the name of Jesus. Yeah. Should they have the right to make that shirt? Yes. 
should the free market take care of that person by <laughs> and have we ever seen that shirt ever again no no so it's like the system worked right yeah. Should that well, person go doing... to jail? No. Should that person kind of be like, dude, what are you doing? Should somebody have grabbed him before he hit, before he hit print? <laughs> you know, probably. Yeah, I, I like what you're saying about because I think we are. We should be free to, you know, turn the mirror on ourselves. And we're Christians. We're, you know, part of the church and stuff like that. But I think we also have to have that self-censoring thing. I, you reminded me of this, but I was in a uh, bathroom stall one time. And I looked and somebody had written a scripture. And so yeah. I've done this, I've done this on stage, but this is a true story. Like I was looking at that and I was thinking, man, that's great, but does that really work? And like, what kind of testimony do you have? You know, how'd you, <laughs> how'd you become a Christian? Well, I had some bad Taco Bell and, right. you know, and I had this bit about it, but even, even as I was writing the bit, I was like, man, who am I to make fun of that? Like if maybe somebody is sitting in there and they're going through a lot of stuff, that yeah. you know, nobody knows what they're going. And then they look up and there's a scripture and they're like, well, I might as well read. And then they start reading and read more. Like who, who knows? So yeah, I don't think we should ever discredit anything that's trying to get the word out of there. But if something's just so absurd, I think we're free to poke fun at it a little bit. Yeah. It's like, there is a two, like somebody was saying that yesterday and it kind of hit home with me. It was a tweet about how there's a Christian subculture that existed when we were coming up the eighties, nineties, early two thousands, where it's like, we had our own music. We had our own festivals. We have our own mints. We have our own everything. Now those lines are being blurred. And now there's a whole subculture of people who are getting out of the church or they are still in the church, but they feel the need to constantly be like, look, I'm a Christian, but not like them. And it's now there's a subculture of people who make fun of and even monetize their making fun of Christian subculture. Right. And I, I'm aware that that's a part of what I do. And I'm also kind of like cognizant in my own self of like, okay, is this just an outlet? Because I do feel like I was damaged in a way by some of it. So I have a, I have a song in my show that's about going to a Christian camp when I was a kid and a girl broke up with me because she said she was dating Jesus now. <laughs> and yeah. it was just her way of breaking up with the little chubby kid that she didn't want to date anymore but she had to say well i'm dating jesus now and then the hook of the song is if she's dating jesus why is she making out with brad <laughs> so like that's a song that like was my experience and it was a point it's a pointed thing about look don't go home and do this just be honest with your boyfriend don't don't use your camp experience to go but again like to me, that is my way. That's my release valve for my true experience. I don't consider that the same thing as somebody who's like, church people are the worst. We're so lame. Here's 20 minutes in a church while church people listen right. to hear why, why they're so lame. Like, I still believe in the church, but I believe, if I believe in it the same way I believe in the United States. I love it, and that's why I have to criticize it when I see something wrong. You know, they, they say people, and I'm sure they've said this at your shows, they, they'll say it's funny because it's true. Yeah. And I think that's our job is that we can poke fun at ourselves, like as the brothers of Christ, as long as it's true, then mm -hmm. I think we all can kind of relax and laugh about it and be like, oh yeah, we, we, we do that. Like, you know, I think, but if it's a yeah. more finger pointing offensive thing, then, you know, we got. And you can tell usually like, sometimes audiences can't tell and that frustrates me. But usually, like Lenny Bruce said that, he said, sing, individual people in your audience could be idiots, but together they're a genius. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. Like, and Tim told me that. He said, the audience is your best friend. They'll tell you if you have anything that's good, they'll tell you if you have to work on a bit. 
So the audience, don't ever blame the audience. Now there's bad audiences. We know that, you know, I can, we can go over the ZZ top show again. There are <laughs> yeah. bad audiences, but in general, the audience is your friend and they'll tell you if what you're saying, like you said, is true. Like not just like whether it's the truth, but whether it hits home with them. And so, yeah, there's stories where, yeah, you, you go out there and you go, well, this is, this feels right. But I think an audience, a church audience, to your point, can tell if you are throwing rocks at the body of Christ from the outside or whether you are trying to do some renovation from within. Right. Or you're trying to like, I got to tear down this wall because I'm putting up a better wall. Or if like, I'm just standing outside going, we're the worst. (laughs) And you're like, is this guy, is this guy even a Christian? Like, sometimes I hear, I've heard jokes from Christian comics. I was like, he doesn't even like, this seems very accusatory. Like he's, he's walked away and he's still, I think if I ever got to that point where I was that upset with the church, the market, I hope, I hope some of these guys, if they are that upset, they have the guts to just walk away from it. Don't stay inside and keep yeah. making money. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's such a, it's such a strange thing, but that's part of the, like, like an audience does know. I do think they can sense, you know, whether you're with them or whether, you, and whether you're like poking fun, but it's like, Hey, aren't we kind of goofy people? Yeah. Or whether it's like, uh, there's malice behind it. Yeah. Yeah. Are you really trying to tear it down or make it stronger? I think that's yeah. a great, yeah. great point. What about individually, like with social media and stuff? I, I'll tell you two quick stories that when Facebook's first starting to be big and, and gluten all of a sudden was a big news item. Yeah. And, so, and I didn't even know what gluten was, honestly, but I just tweeted or I put on Facebook, uh, I don't know what gluten is, but I've had something without it. So I know it makes things taste better. Like just quick, simple, not even that funny. And somebody immediately wrote, uh, it spelled, I'd misspelled it. And they wrote, it's spelled gluten. If you're going to try to make a joke, at least learn how to spell or something like that. <laughs> well, at the time I was just like, okay, don't need that. And blocked her. And her mom, four hours later, sent me this message. How dare you block my daughter? She's been crying all day. And, you know, she loved you. But now we absolutely will make sure everybody knows we're from Canada. You are no longer welcome in Canada. Evidently, they live on the border. Like, it was this this huge deal. And again, it it was kind of all new. You know, I mean, my stuff has been around. So I knew that there were haters. But I just thought, okay, if she's really is that caught up on, you know, the grammar of it and would put something on my wall. Yeah. I thought, I just don't need that. So I just blocked her. I wouldn't, didn't send her a message or anything, but it really was kind of eye opening of like, oh, I guess I need to be, you know, conscious of where everybody is in their headspace of how they perceive stuff. And the other one I'll share, and then I, I was wondering if you had any, I, I was flying home after like four shows in a row and I got bumped to first class and I get yeah. on first class and I'm super tired. And there's some army guys that are in first class, like two guys and they have a dog. So I sit down and the dog is right behind me. And so I take a photo of me and the dog, nobody else, just me and the dog. And I post, I was really excited to get bumped to first class till I saw that they'll bump anybody. And meaning they bumped a dog. Yeah. Did not know that the army service dog had like some like Uh. decorative thing. So I turned my phone off because I'm a good Christian boy who follows the rules. I take a three hour flight. I land, my phone is blowing up. And, and it's a lot of my college friends that, that follow me on Facebook and Twitter. And they were, they were like, when did you become anti-American bro? Like we, you know, how dare you? Like it was, and I was just like, guys, I just was talking about like a dog got bumped to first class. Like I didn't know. And <laughs> that dog's like, a hero. That dog's a hero. He saved everybody. And oh, I was geez. like, I don't, 
so I went dark for like a week because I was like, okay, I'm, I'm not even going to try. You can't run to Canada. You, you're okay, not allowed. I'm kicked out of there. So you know, where, do I go? where do I go? Canada sounds nice these days, doesn't it? I don't oh, know, man. So We're not allowed. We're not allowed. And they're not allowed here. I don't know. It's a whole thing. Nobody's allowed anywhere. Yeah, it's weird. It's like that. Um, like I said, I'm in the middle. So I see like if you're talking about a private company, for instance, uh, the most famous instance a lot of people may not know about, but it's pretty common knowledge that Aflac fired Gilbert Godfrey oh, yeah. in 2008 yeah. or 2007 because he made some really like he had a very big Twitter following at the time, half million, you know, 750,000 followers. And he was making jokes during the uh, it was Greg Giraldo, wasn't it? No, 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 no. It was the, it was, uh, it was Gilbert Godfrey was the voice of the Affleck duck. No, I know. But wasn't it because of his tweet about uh, Greg Giraldo? I thought, no, I thought it was about, no, it was about the Japanese uh, flood, the, the, the big like tsunami. Oh. Yeah. And he was like making jokes about all the dead people basically. And it was like really like dark, dark stuff, which I don't mind dark comedy. You and I laugh about the darkest stuff. I have jokes I got about your, death. I, got your I have text. jokes. Yeah. Right. I, got your text, yes. I have jokes. I have jokes about death in my show. To me, death is one of those things like it makes everybody afraid. So I like to make jokes about it to like poke holes in it. It scares me too. And like see if funny runs out. Like is there a way to we can so I have jokes about double decker grave plots and I have jokes about, you know, my you know, my dad passing. I, there's all kinds of stuff that you can but this was like in really poor taste. People it was a fresh thing that had just happened, like you know, hundred thousand people. How many ever died? It was like this thing. And after like was like, we're not working with you anymore. And some comedians that I know, they're like, defend the comedian at all costs. Right. Like, how dare they? Blah, blah. And I'm like, well, he was hired to do a job. Like, he signed some kind of clause with them that I'm not going to embarrass your company by being out here, you know. Right. Uh, and so, you know, saying things that are inflammatory. So in that instance, because it's a private company, again, it's like people who are conservative who talk about like the free market decides, the free market decides capitalism can be ever, you know, attacked because it's always going to work. And then when Twitter tells the president, hey, we think a lot of what you said was inflammatory. You're not on a platform anymore. And now all of a sudden conservatives are like, wait a minute, free speech. And you're like, that's not what free speech is. This is different. This is the free market, right. like it or not. So to me, it's like, that's when you got to know the line of like, that's when all your beliefs are really tested when the rubber meets the road and you go, am I offended? Or is this like a private company making a decision? Cause like when somebody just gets offended, like you say, if somebody, if you didn't have any ill will, you just took a picture of the dog, there was fatigues in the background or the dog had dog tags or whatever. And uh, that's one thing you just didn't know. But like, even if somebody is offended, like no one's ever been like offended to death. <laughs> you know, right, you right. that Jillian, she offended. Yeah. She's dead now. She died. That Gilbert Godfrey tweet put me over the edge. Goodbye. That was it. Yeah, it's like, I, it, I, do I think he should have the right to make that tweet? Yes. Do I think that he should be able to say whatever he wants and still have any company just like, are they supposed to be forced to keep him on? Like, what is that? That's not fair either. Like, they have to do, they have to let him say whatever he wants. That's not really fair either. So, I don't know. It's like that. That's the tough one. And again, I, he's some, a lot of comics say things we would never say. And so it's, we don't get in those jams a lot. I mean, we've all, you've done clubs. I've done clubs where I, one time I did a club. It was a Thursday, Friday, Saturday run. The Thursday show was a corporate thing where companies were bringing like five or 10 employees each. And there was a little buffet. And then, the, so they tell these comics who were there for the whole weekend, you know, I was just hosting and they say, you got to work clean, at least TV clean tonight. This is a corporate thing. Mm -hmm. And the guy who was featuring the, the, the headliner, I think, was just like, whatever. But the feature was pacing and smoking in the parking lot. <laughs> you know, the hour before the show, and I go, what's going on? I knew the guy. 
he's like, dude, I don't know what I'm going to do. I mean, he's <laughs> freaking out. He goes, you don't understand. Like all my punchlines have curse words in them or this. And he was like, I'm terrified. And, uh, and sure enough, he struggled. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, at that point, I was like, this is so weird. Cause I just don't, I didn't have to really make any adjustments. Right. It's like, I, I can see why people, even who aren't believers in Christ, I can see why people work clean. <laughs> even if you're going to do clubs, it just opens up. I wore how many, how many, uh, closers have you worked for in a club that are dirty, but they want a clean middle mm-hmm. because they want to be, they want to make sure that there's like a, a, a blank canvas for them that you've not, because they know me and you aren't going to burn any of their premises. Right. You know, right. We're not going to talk about the same stuff they're going to talk about necessarily. We'll talk about family. We'll talk about Facebook. We'll talk about whatever. But then when they get out, they get to be the one that like goes to the shocking level yeah. and they're not worried about us doing that. That's why they prefer it. Even if they're the dirtiest kind, I, I just think that's kind of fascinating. So but as far as people's sensibilities about language and whether or not it deeply offends them, I think some of that's sort of going away. It's more like political offense now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I don't think language offends <clears throat> as many people as it used to. Right. Uh, and maybe that's just our standards being lowered or whatever. I'm sure that's something that a lot of people would just decry. Like, that's what's wrong with the world. They can say these words yeah. on TV. Then when I was a kid, you couldn't even say this on TV. I don't know if it's that, but I do think like we're more sensitive about our political ideologies and less sensitive about like the F word, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, if you say the F word, that's one thing, but if you attack conservatives, that's too far, mister, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's weird. I don't know. You and I talked about this privately on the phone like a couple weeks ago when everything was just kind of getting crazy. But, you know, I think people should absolutely have free speech, but they don't get free speech on my Facebook wall. Right. I've got the right to go. This is my platform. And if you're, you know, cussing or making, you know, rude statements or something, then I'm going to remove you. And so that's why I didn't I didn't get the whole argument like they're they're a company. So they have the right to ban or remove you. And, you know, I know that's probably going to offend people, but, you know, the freedom of speech thing, yes, you have the freedom to go outside and shout whatever you want to, but you you don't have the freedom to force that onto other programs that you don't own. Yeah. Well, the bottom line is they do it on your wall because you've got 25,000 followers that are going to see their diatribe. 36. And if they go to their page, they have 300 friends. Yeah, that's so they are totally hijacking your property. In essence, they're yeah. they're putting themselves in the line. My favorite thing is when you have a post that's innocent, and then somebody makes it political, and then all the responses become to that person. And you're like, "This was about Cheetos. How did this get to? I mean, I see sort of how it got to Trump, but it started as Cheetos. Right. right. So how? <laughs> it was an orange. Yeah. Yes, they're both orange. But come on, that's right. It was. But like, yeah, so they'll, they'll start it. They'll make it political or racial or whatever. And then somebody else will tell you, you're a racist. And then you're like, hi, whoa. And then you have to just start going and mass deleting. Like, cause it's weird. Have you ever deleted somebody's comments as they argued back and forth with you and you delete your own responses? So they just look like they're arguing with themselves. I yes. used to do that. They're just a I crazy used- person now shouting at the wind. Yes. <laughs> that I got so much joy. It hadn't happened in a while, but I got so much joy of doing that where we would get into it or friends of mine, like a lot of times I take the Hawkins, you know, path where I just let, you know, I'll put something out and just let my fans deal with it. If I'm getting haters or, you know, people crazy, but every once in a while I'll go on and I'll do that. And I'll take out what my friends have said, knowing they're okay with it. 
and it does it just makes that person look like a like a lunatic like talking to themselves well now you can edit your comment and if nobody looks at the edit history you can change what you said and then the response really looks crazy that's what we really need to do well that's change. a brilliant idea johnny that's a brilliant idea <laughs> like, i didn't really thought about that <laughs> yeah i've been doing writing exercise i've been doing the smiley minute which is just literally like one minute a day of videos that I've been posting on Instagram and Facebook. And a lot of the news is all political. So I've been tapping a toe in. And yeah. what I'm finding is it, anything to do with Biden, I'm offending people that are Democrats or on Biden's side. And any mention of Trump, no matter how true or how funny. Yeah. And I'm kind of taking, I'm kind of taking some uh, comfort. I'm, yeah. I'm kind of taking comfort in knowing like, Okay, good. I can offend both sides. So I've got to be right. somewhat in the middle. Yeah. It's like when you watch the sports cast, like it's, I think it's so funny when people get upset at sports casters, like they go, Oh, Joe Buck is doing this game. He's the worst. And then when you get to the, the meat of why they hate Joe Buck, they're convinced he hates their team. <laughs> yeah. And well, then, but, but like if you, but both people, both, both sides, like if it's Green Bay versus the Cowboys, God, he's doing the Cowboys game. Oh, he hates the Cowboys. He'll do nothing but praise Aaron Rodgers. And then the, the Packers said, you're crazy. He hates Aaron Rodgers. All he does is talk about how good they – you're like, well, he's doing a good job then because yeah, both yeah. thinks he hates their team. <laughs> His Twitter, it, it says, uh, you know, says what he does and then uh, on the description, and then it says, uh, my favorite sports team is the one playing against yours. <laughs> exactly okay that that's great because that is actually actually true it seems to be yeah i think we've got to figure out a way that if for our job you want that balance of because it's so that's the thing if it's so, if it's too easy it's so easy to go into a church and be like these crazy democrats and the liberals right i blame them for everything you can get applause breaks all day yeah. but at the end of your show like was it just cheerleading have you only just affirmed their beliefs like there's a time and a place to affirm each other's beliefs. Okay. In a church, I get that. But if it's just politics and it's noise and it's just like, and, it, and a lot of it's hacky too, when you go into a church setting and you do political stuff, it's like, it gets real hacky and easy. And if it's just pandering and you never like once went, well, this is like, I do jokes about vegetarians and, and uh, how pretentious they can be. But then I'll do a joke right after that. And I'll say, but I'm conflicted by my own. Well, like, why do we eat animals? Like, what's the deal? Like, everybody in here is uncomfortable with eating an animal. Like, if you see a dead deer on the side of the road, some of you are like, oh, that poor, you know, what, what is it that makes us? And then I do a whole joke about how we change the name of the meat mm -hmm, yeah. you know, to make ourselves more comfortable. Good so, like, bit. I'm trying to hit both sides and say, look, I know I do this. And I'm a hypocrite, too, because I also, you know, it's like, if yeah. you, if you point at yourself, you're always in, it's a lot safer than when you're just going like, here's what's wrong with the world. I'll tell you if more people were like me, like comedians that are good, never do that. They go, the world's screwed up. And here I'm also very screwed up. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, that's, that's when you can find like a, a resting place with an audience. Yeah. They always talk about punching up, but I always feel like you got to go out and punch yourself a couple of times yep. before you punch, you know, up or down. I remember you, this made me laugh. Uh, <laughs> when I lived in Nashville, there was this lady who absolutely is against hunting. And, you know, you know me, I'm a big hunter. And so we would have debates like Sunday morning, like all the time. She'd be like, let me guess, what'd you kill this weekend? You know, like she really was offended. And then one day her car hit a deer. Yeah. And it completely changed her tune. And I was like, okay. And that was uh, the lesson I took from that was like, you never know where people are coming from, but 
you know, stuff can change their mind as long as they keep an open mind. So that's, that's really, if people are ranting against something that I've said, or, you know, I always try to take it with a block of salt where I'm like, okay, I don't know where they're coming from. I don't know what experiences they've had, but you know, let me, let me just look at the stuff I can control really see, is this offensive? If it's not, if it is apologize, but if it's not, then, you know, move on and just know that, you know, you're not going to please everybody, but yeah. Yeah. There's a time and a place I think to look at your show and be like, do I tell this joke just because I want to get away with saying these words on stage and it has no, there's no redeeming value to it. And, or is somebody just being uptight and it's one or two people out of thousands and thousands and you just need to like, let that be okay that a few people out of thousands didn't care for it but like i know tim he told me a story one time he used to do a joke about how his wife talked to him like an idiot when she would ask him to go get something and she she goes when women when you tell us to go get something you're like i need a bowl get me a bowl i need a bowl they make the shape of a bowl with their hands and he's yeah. like mm, and he does this like a bowl Right. He, but, he, but in the beginning, he was just like, a bowl. And he did this really like void, this crazy voice, like he was an idiot. And he was, he got a couple of comments from people. He told me this on the bus. He was like, I was getting comments from people like, I have a special needs son. It was like, it sounds like you're, you're putting on like, a, like you have a special needs and you're being like, you're, this is what a stupid person sounds like. Yeah. And he's like, oh, and it, it, hurt, it bothered him. And so that's when he started doing the donkey. He was doing that. So he kind of made it more like an anthropomorphized animal. <laughs> uh, I'm a stupid uh, donkey. Yeah. And uh, that way he could keep the bit. Even like his voice for Heather, he was like, Heather came to him and was like, you make me sound like the worst. Because he was like, nah, nah, nah. his voice for Heather like bothered yeah. her. He was like, all right, then I'll fix it. You know, it's like, you got to make these decisions for yourself. Sometimes you're just being like stubborn to be like, this is my art. I'll never change. Right. Sometimes, you're like, sometimes you're like, maybe this is not necessary though. For That's what I'm saying. Keep an open mind. Cause yeah. just yeah. look at each. Cause I remember when Heather told him that. And so then he started, and I know you know this, but, for our listeners, he, he started saying, uh, she doesn't sound like that, but that's my voice for her. And she oh, right. yeah. does when, when she's imitating me and then he would do it. And it was a great way to still do the bit, but mm-hmm. not offend me. I remember <laughs> I was doing a pastor's conference and it was a really small group. It was about maybe 40 pastors from all over the world. And I mean world, like, you know, other countries and stuff. And I, I, I performed for this guy before. And so we were kind of friends. And he called me two days later. And they, they had the pastor's conference. And I was the opening of it. Yeah. And they got in a huge heated debate. And, of course, it's a small group, so they're all in the room. And one guy was offended because, you know, my bit about uh, my voice being high and that uh, if you were a burglar breaking it downstairs in my house and I said, you better, you know, and I go, you better not be down there. Like that's the punchline. I've been doing that joke forever. One guy said that he was offended by that joke because I was making fun of homosexuals. Now, I'm, I'm telling the joke as my voice is, is super high Right. And I'm talking about me being weak. And I'm like, if you're a burglar breaking in downstairs and I'm standing on like, and I said, it, and so then it broke out in this big debate of whether or not I was making fun of homosexuals by making fun of my voice. And the, it's uh, your voice, it's my voice, <laughs> but here's the worst part. And this is a total true story. One of the pastors goes, I, I felt like he was making fun of homosexuals and I felt bad for it. And I can't remember the guy's name, but he goes, you know, I'll just say, uh, Paul, I felt bad for Paul. You know, like I was like, <laughs> he offended. And evidently, oh man, all was a homosexual and had shared it with only him, but nobody else in the room knew. Uh, 
And then it became this big, huge thing. And I was, and, and the guy's <laughs> telling me, and he was like, I'm sorry, but one of the things that they wanted me to do was, was call you. And like I said, he had used me before and he's used me since then. But he was like, they wanted me to call and tell you to quit doing that bit because it's offensive to those people. And so, yeah, you're going to get some stuff like Sheesh, that. Like, man, okay. that's you win on that story. That's crazy, man. You, you declosited somebody <laughs> know, <it was laughs> with your dumb joke. That's a powerful joke right there, man. Wow. That's right. That's right. He was well, out whether yeah. he wanted to be out or not. Yeah, he didn't. That was the whole thing. It's like. <laughs> My, the guy who brought me in said that everybody turned and looked at, you know, Paul, fake name, but they looked at him and, and he just got red. And then the other guy was like, well, no, no, I'm not saying that Paul, you know, like it was that, it was just <laughs> it's too late. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, man, I don't want to take up uh, too much of your time. I appreciate you doing this. Uh, of course. We've been friends for a long time. Uh, really quick. What, what are you doing? Well, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm home for a couple of weeks and then I'm doing, uh, I'm actually doing some shows at my home club. Zany's in Nashville. I got, I did some shows a, few, a couple of weeks ago with Jim Brewer, like I said, from SNL, which was really cool. Last minute I got added to those shows. We did a two man show. So that was a blast. And then he uh, evidently liked me. So he asked me to do these shows at Zany. So I'm doing five shows at Zany's with him next weekend. Oh, okay. So that'll be a blast. So you can tickets for those if you're uh, in the Tennessee area or you want to make the drive. Hey, do it to it. Uh, those are fun shows. And then, um, I actually booked a Valentine's event. I know Valentine's is normally a gigantic week for us and not so much anymore. So, yeah. uh, so I was just somebody, somebody texted me, a buddy of mine. He was like, what are you doing for Valentine's? Do you have anything? And I was like, I will come wherever you want. <laughs> you just tell me where to be. So that's cool. So that's happening. So I got some new dates that are on the calendar and then other dates are being canceled as we speak. It's the fifth wave, right? In the fifth wave right. of cancellations. Yeah, it's a fifth. <laughs> it's funny because I got, I wasn't getting any show offers like in uh, December or January, except for Valentine's day. Yeah. And I got probably, I don't know, 15, mm -hmm. but they were all so super like low and I was like and I passed on them even though we're we're hurting for money really badly I passed on it in hopes that yeah. it would be and I mean I'm talking like peanuts like it, it would cost me more to drive to these right right then it would and I kept thinking I'm not going to burn the Valentine's Day I'd rather just spend it with my wife but normally you make your full fee or more yeah. and so I kept waiting kept waiting well two weeks ago they finally got an offer uh, that was just barely enough that I was like, okay, I can make a little money. And so I, I jumped on it. So uh, yeah, Valentine's Day, I'll be in Tomball, Texas. Yes. Oh, <laughs> beautiful. You got to take the missus with you. Yeah. I'm going yeah. to Branson. So. Oh, nice. Which is funny because uh, it's a, it's a friend of mine, uh, Ted, I don't know if you know Ted Cunningham. He's a marriage speaker. He's fantastic. Anyway, he pastors a church there too. He travels and speaks. So he was like, uh, I'm going to release these tickets for sale. We're going to sell 400 tickets. It's a, I think his auditorium holds 800 to a thousand where, but he's having to distance it of course. So he's like, we're going to sell 400 tickets. They'll be on sale this Sunday. He texted me Sunday during their service when they put them on sale, mm -hmm. they sold out in 10 minutes. And I go, so great. I go, I, I'm not used to that, bro. I'm used to the whole like 10 days before the show. Hey, can you do radio? We need to push these <laughs> yeah. ticket sales. And so I was like, we got to, I go, how, how, what? I go, wow, you got a really like great church that he goes, we're the only game in town. Evidently there's no shows in Branson right now. Cause it's all yeah. like, think about the people that go to shows. It's all old people, retirees go to Branson and do all the shows. They do a big run on tour bus. They do a big like run of those shows. So it's those uh, seniors tours. And I guess they're not doing them right now. So like we are, I am Branson. 
for Valentine's. So <laughs> you live near there, you need to be at that show, evidently. So it was cool. But yeah, I mean. That's interesting because like I'm in, this is going to come out tomorrow, by the way. Yeah. Um, if I can get it edited in, because uh, you did use the F word quite a bit. That's um, true. Well, you thought it was a text with us. We, you got to quit doing that. That's, true. Um, That's right. But the uh, I'm in Palestine, Texas uh, on Friday, and then I'm in Louisiana uh, Saturday and Sunday morning. And nice. the attendance, like ticket sales and everything has been really good. And, you know, because you go out and you, you play with Hawkins in front of 4,000 people. And then the next weekend I'm doing my own shows and I'm having to say, hey, will everybody scoot down? To everybody scoot down. Yeah. <laughs> Roads. Um, I'm wondering if that this may be a blessing is that people are going to be hungry for shows when, yeah. when it does finally open back up and hopefully I think so more, too. more people will get out and come to live stuff. Well, tell everybody where they can uh, find out your stuff. Like plug Yeah, your- all my all my social media is linked from johnnyw.com, J-O-N-N-I-E-W.com. But um, you can find me by searching my name on Instagram too, J-O-N-N-I-E-W, Instagram and YouTube and all that stuff. My dry bar just dropped uh, last month. I think it's on the homepage of VidAngel too. So if you go to VidAngel's website, you can watch it there and stream it to your devices and all that stuff too. So. You have a dry bar. That is awesome, man. How's, how's that been? It's great. And I know you just, your second one just came out. So I yeah, appreciate, that's why I I appreciate that. your, appreciate your false humility yeah. uh, in there. And it's a uh, rings. Uh, but yeah, uh, no, it's good. I, I think it took a long time for it to come out because they had to let a lot of people go too. They had a lot of interns working for them. And so they were, they stopped doing live shows for almost a year. Right. So there was like a big delay. So we shot it almost a year ago or over a year ago. So it just came out. I'm really proud of it. And uh, yeah, so hopefully people start, hopefully those Facebook clips will start coming out. People can share those and, and it'll lead yeah. to some more work too. Just, it's all about eyeballs, man. You just want people that don't know who you are to kind of get a, a vibe of what you do. And so that's the goal. Yeah. I don't really have this goal of like, I want to be super famous. Like, I just want to like get a news, a few more eyeballs this year. That's the goal. That's the thing. And then, and just staying in front of people. And, you know, that's why I started doing this like smiley minute every day. It's just to have content and stuff. But it was funny because my drive, my second dry bar came out last night it dropped and they don't tell you they just put no, it out. they don't tell you and here's the funny thing claiborne cox friend of ours comedian he uh he texted me and mm-hmm. he was like your second dry bar just came out and i couldn't respond because i was delivering an uber eats order <laughs> <laughs> that's that's stand-up comedy right there what that's a the fitting. <laughs> my second yes. dry bar comedy special is out but i hang on i gotta get this taco Yes, dude. There's a story like that about Andy Richter where he was struggling when he was came out before he got Conan, and they were just friends, and he was just a struggling like actor, and he had done this movie Cabin Boy with Chris Elliott. Remember Cabin Boy? Yeah, yeah. It's really small film, but it was released in some theaters, and then like the acting work all dried up after he did that movie. And he had to take a job at a movie theater. And he was like, uh-huh. he literally quit that job at the movie theater because I, he goes, I had to just go back into acting because I could not stomach the idea of being an usher when my own movie came out. <laughs> yeah. He was like, I had to just go like throw myself right back into it. And like, and that's when he got Conan. But it's like, that's, that'd be terrifying. Like oh, yeah. tearing tickets for Cabin Boy and you're in it. And the guy goes, are you the guy from the poster? Yeah. Ugh. That would be great. Here, enjoy my movie. Exactly. It's not going to work out. There you go. <laughs> that's that's mine, mine. Me and Dustin Nickerson always say that when we're talking to young comics is like the number one rule of comedy is it's probably not going to work out. <laughs> yeah. Well, on that uh, 
incredible encouragement note that you've uh, <laughs> provided for our listeners. Uh, <laughs> Glad I to help. We'll, uh, we'll call it a podcast, man. Thanks for being right, on this, uh, episode 53. And like I said, it should come out uh, Thursday. And then you're at Zany's uh, next weekend, right? Yep, on uh, February 4th through 6th uh, with Jim Brewer. So, And then uh, just check my, check my web calendar for all the upcoming shows. Hopefully we'll have a lot more to go and hopefully for you too, buddy. Yeah. All right, Johnny, I love you, buddy. Love you too, man. All right, we'll talk to you later. All right, man, bye. Bye. Look at me, I'm a big boy.